Good morning, church. So very good to see you this morning. I love and appreciate you all so very much. If you think about any community of people, any group of people, sort of like a, a circle, whether that be a community, a town, a company, a school, a team, a family, or even a church, if you think about those people sort of standing around in a group, I think we would all acknowledge that most of the time in any group of people, there's sort of the inner circle. You know what I mean? Sort of the inner circle, the core members of that community or that group. And then along the outside edges, along the margins, there are other people who really don't feel like they belong to the rest of the group. I, I think about my little rural high school that I grew up in, and, and if you were a guy at my high school, the, the way to really be part of the inner circle, the core group, was to be an athlete. And if you know me, you know that's not me. I mean, anything that involves running or eye-hand coordination is a hard pass for me, right? And so that meant that I spent most of my years in high school on, on the margins, have you ever felt like that? To be marginalized is to be, to be cut off, to feel alone and isolated, even when you are technically part of a group. We might put it this way, that to be marginalized is to be unable, unable to experience the benefits of belonging to be unable to experience the benefits of belonging. Have you felt that way? Have you felt like you were on the margins, that you were marginalized or even worse, disenfranchised, pushed to the edges of a group where you really can't feel like you fully can experience the benefits of belonging. I'm willing to guess that probably everybody here this morning, I'm willing to guess that you have felt like you were on the margins of some group that you were technically a part of, but you were really unable to experience the benefits of belonging. For one reason or another, maybe it's because of choices that you made, maybe it's because of who you were or where you came from or what you had done or something that was beyond your control, you were unable to experience the benefits of belonging. I, I want you to think about and remember how heartbreaking that, that feels how devastating it is to, to feel like you're on the outside looking in. To realize that you're unable to fully experience the benefits of belonging. But I don't want us to stay there. I don't want us to just think about how we've been marginalized, how you've been marginalized. I'm sure that that's true. But I also want us to recognize that there are people in the world, and there are probably people in your life that are far more marginalized than you've ever been who at this very moment, at this very moment, are longing to belong. And they are unable, for one reason or another, to experience the benefits of belonging. There are people in your life, and maybe you know who those people are, and maybe, even worse, you are unaware of who those people might be, who are unable to experience the benefits of belonging. 
And I want you to see this morning as we talk about the story of Philip, what it looks like and what it means for us to realign our lives with the mission of Jesus and how when we realign our lives with the mission of Jesus, it changes how we see and treat people, especially people who are unable to experience the benefits of belonging. When you realign your life with the mission of Jesus, you will see people differently and you will treat people differently. Let's think about the story of of Philip. Look at Acts chapter 8. And this is right on the heels of this great persecution that has broke out. Last week we talked about the stoning of Stephen. And after Stephen was stoned, then Saul of Tarsus began to persecute Christians in Jerusalem. And the Christians were scattered. They, they fled from Jerusalem, and Philip went to Samaria. It says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 4, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Now this is particularly relevant when we're talking about marginalized people, disenfranchised people. Are you familiar with the city of Samaria? Samaria at one time was the capital city of the northern kingdom of Israel. 700 years before Jesus, the northern kingdom of Israel, the capital city of Samaria, fell to the Assyrians. And they were taken off into captivity. And then about 135 years later, then the southern kingdom of Judah fell to the Babylonians. And eventually people started to come back to that area and rebuild Jerusalem. And when the Jewish people began to rebuild Jerusalem and rebuild the walls and rebuild the temple, the Samaritan people said they wanted to participate, but they were not allowed to participate. For hundreds of years, these groups of people were at war with one another, hated one another, and the Jewish people told the Samaritan people, you have no portion with us. You don't belong. Even though they shared a lot of the same heritage, even though they shared a lot of the same faith, they were told, you don't belong. The Jewish people thought of the Samaritan people like dogs, like unclean people, and they kept one another at arm's length. But this is where Philip was sent by Jesus, following the spirit of Jesus to the city of Samaria. Now look what happens, verse 6. And the crowds with one accord, paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Again, just think about what what had been going on there for hundreds of years. People who were lame, people who were paralyzed, people who were demon-possessed. And again, one another keeping each other at arm's length, saying, you don't really belong with us. But what is God saying through the gospel that Philip is proclaiming in Samaria? I haven't forgotten you. 
I love you, and I want you to be part of what I'm doing in the world. The, the kingdom of God is showing up in the city of Samaria, and demons are being cast out, and the lame and the paralyzed are being healed. And what's the reaction? Joy. Joy. Because that's what you feel, and that's what you express when now you get to experience the benefits of belonging. God says, I love you, and I want you to be a part of my family. I want you to experience the healing and the forgiveness and the inclusion of being part of the kingdom of God. And Philip gets to be the one to take this message to the people that others had rejected, to the people that others had marginalized, to the people that others had disenfranchised, people who were longing to belong. And then God picks Philip up from there and takes him to another place. Look at verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. I mean, Philip had been, I mean, things were going great in Samaria. People were coming to Jesus. People were believing there was great joy. There were great numbers. It was awesome. And Jesus says, yeah, but I need you somewhere else. I need you in this desert place. I need you on this desolate road. Not to meet huge crowds of people, not for a bunch of fanfare, but for one person. And, and, and sometimes that's what's needed, isn't it? For Jesus to take you and, and sort of put you into an uncomfortable place so that you can be there for and reach out to and teach and love one person. I'm convinced that we all have a, a Gaza road, that, that there is someone out there who needs, who needs us to go to them and meet them where they are and love them and teach them. And I love that the angel says to Philip, rise and what? Go. And so Philip, he says he, he rose and he went, right? That's what we need Christian people to do. Jesus tells us sometimes, rise and go. And we need to be the kind of people about whom it can be said that we rose and went. Go, go meet that one person who needs to hear about Jesus, especially those who are unable, for one reason or another, to experience the benefits of belonging. Look at the rest of verse 27. It says, And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, in those couple of verses, we don't hear this man's name, interestingly enough, but we know a lot about him just from what's said right here. First of all, he's, he's from the African kingdom of Ethiopia. He, he's a servant of the queen of Ethiopia. So he's not a, a Jewish person. That's not his nationality or his ethnicity but he's gone to Jerusalem, he's been to Jerusalem to worship God. And he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. 
But even more than that, he's a eunuch, which means, to put it as sensitively as I know how, he has been literally emasculated so that he could be entrusted with the queen and with the treasure. Here's a person who has been unable, even though he loves the God of heaven, he loves Yahweh, he worships Yahweh, he's been to Jerusalem to worship Yahweh because of his nationality and his ethnicity, and even because he's a eunuch, Deuteronomy chapter 23, he's been unable to experience the benefits of belonging. Because he's a eunuch, he's unable to come into the assembly of God's people. Because he's a eunuch, he's been kept at the margins, unable, prevented from fully participating, prevented from experiencing the benefits of belonging. And this is the man that Philip meets. Verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading from the prophet, heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This Ethiopian eunuch, he, he recognizes something that I'm afraid sometimes we don't recognize. God never intended, hang with me for a second, God never intended Scripture to be self-explanatory. Let me say that again, because the Ethiopian recognizes this reality, doesn't he? He says, how, how can I understand this unless someone guides me? God never intended Scripture to be self-explanatory. Lost people need more than a Bible. Lost people need the Bible, no doubt. But lost people need saved people, God's people, to use the Bible to guide them to Jesus. God has always intended that this is the way truth would be transmitted, not just through the pages of a Bible, but through the words and the deeds and the life and the relationships of people. He recognizes, I don't know what this is talking about. I don't know who the prophet is talking about. I need someone to guide me. Lost people, marginalized people, people who are unable to experience the benefits of belonging, people who are on the outside, they don't just need information, they need relationship. They need someone to guide them. They need someone who loves them enough to say, do you understand this stuff? This is complicated stuff. This is big stuff. Do, do you understand this? And some will tell you, how can I unless someone guides me? Lost people need someone to guide them. Look at verse 32. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth? Now, Listen to those words from Isaiah 53 and think about why those words might have resonated with this Ethiopian eunuch. That the prophet is describing someone 
that God uses who had to remain silent in the face of suffering, who had to remain silent in the face of oppression, who had to remain silent in the face of humiliation and injustice. So, of course, this passage resonates with someone like the Ethiopian eunuch, that this suffering servant somehow saves his people through this suffering. Who is this person who saves God's people through his suffering? Verse 34, and the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. Jesus is the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. Jesus is the one who was silent before his shearers. Jesus is the one who suffered humiliation and injustice. And why? Why did he do it? He did it for people like this Ethiopian man. He did it for people like this eunuch. He did it for people like the Samaritans. He did it for the people who are longing to belong, who have been prevented for so long for one reason or another from experiencing the benefits of belonging to God's people. And on their behalf, he was pierced for their transgressions. He was crushed for their iniquities. He was willing to suffer for them and with them. The ultimate act of empathy to say, I will suffer with you. I will suffer for you so that you can belong. Verse 36, and as they were going, Along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And it, it wasn't until recently that reading this passage, it, it struck me that what prevents me, that's, that's really the heart of this question, isn't it? What prevents me? Because for so long, there had been a lot of things preventing him preventing him from coming into the temple, preventing him from approaching the presence of God, preventing him from belonging, preventing him from experiencing the benefits of such belonging. And so he hears this good news about the suffering servant who suffered on his behalf, and he says, I want that. I want that. I want to experience that. I want to have that. I want to know that. What prevents me from being baptized? Does my ethnicity prevent me from being baptized? The answer is a resounding no. Does my nationality prevent me from being baptized? The answer is a resounding no. Does his physicality prevent him from being baptized? The answer is a resounding no. And even though it's not probably part of the original text, verse 37 says, if you believe, if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that, that's all, that's all. Then if you believe that, then nothing is preventing you from experiencing this belonging. In the past, things may have prevented you from experiencing forgiveness, from experiencing family, from experiencing healing, 
from experiencing belonging. But now if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, nothing is preventing you from experiencing the benefits of belonging. Look at verse 38. And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way. What, church? Rejoicing. That's what the Samaritans did. That's what people do when they get to experience the benefits of belonging. No more. No more does your ethnicity prevent you from belonging. No more does your nationality prevent you from belonging. No more does your past prevent you from belonging. No more does your physicality prevent you from belonging. No more the things that used to keep you away and keep you separate. No more do those things prevent you from being fully immersed into Jesus and to his people and the full benefits of belonging. And joy is the only right response. Look at verse 40. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. Why? Because there are more marginalized people and more disenfranchised people, more people who were unable to experience the benefits of belonging until someone came to guide them into the truth, until someone loved them enough to share Jesus with them. Just like the Ethiopian was struggling to understand, what's this all about? Who's the prophet talking about? How can I understand unless someone guides me? There were people in every single community that felt the same way, that were just waiting and just longing for someone to come and explain Jesus to them. And church, what I want us to understand is that someone in your life, someone in your life is longing to experience the benefits of belonging. Isn't that true? Someone in your life who's traveling on the Gaza road, who's longing to experience the benefits of belonging, and it's not enough to just throw the Bible at them and hope they figure it out. They need you. They need you because you understand what it's like, don't you? You understand what it's like to long to belong. You understand what it's like to be prevented from experiencing the benefits of belonging. You understand what it's like to be marginalized. You understand what it's like to be cut off. You understand what it's like to be alone. You understand what it's like to be isolated. And you also understand what it's like for Jesus to bring you in and for you to experience forgiveness and healing and belonging in Christ. So go, share that with someone else. The same message that Philip received, rise and go. I think the whole church has that same commandment, commission. Rise and go. Go find people who are longing to belong, who are marginalized, who are disenfranchised, who are, who are alone, who are cut off, who are isolated. They're longing to experience the benefits of belonging, and you know how they can belong. You know that nothing prevents them from being baptized if they only believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God.
And maybe there's somebody here this morning. Maybe you are longing to experience the benefits of belonging. Maybe you feel marginalized and disenfranchised and you feel like you're cut off and alone and isolated and on the outside looking in. And we want you to know that nothing is preventing you from being baptized if you believe that Jesus is the Christ. And if we can guide you into that, if we can help you into that, or if you need to come back to that, our shepherds would love to meet with you after service in the prayer room where you can come forward right now as together we stand and sing this song.